The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. Welcome to another program with Truths to Live By, a ministry of Harriman Baptist Tabernacle in Harriman, Tennessee. You're listening to Brother Benjamin Cooley. I pray we would be a blessing to you today. With our Bibles open today to the book of James, we want to conclude our thoughts in this series on prayer, having studied prayer's pursuit, prayer's pattern, prayer's place, and today we'll look at prayer's passion. James chapter 5, verse number 13, after a word of prayer. Father, I come now in Jesus' precious name, and I thank you for the privilege to preach upon the radio. Thank you for first loving me, that I can now love you. Speak to hearts, I pray. Bless the reading and preaching of thy word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Briefly, let me mention the book of James is a very practical book, and I do believe there are truths from which we can learn and by which we can live our lives today, as it has for its theme, pure religion or practical religion running parallel side by side throughout the whole book. Today we would look at praying religion, and I'm not speaking about a dead formality with robes and rituals, with rites and ceremonies. I'm talking about religion which is rooted in the new birth and revealed in a righteous life of good works as wrought by God through the Spirit in our lives before this world. So James 5, verse number 13. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer 
of a righteous man availeth much. There is prayer's passion. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death, and shall hide a multitude of sins. Now there is much we can say about prayer from this passage. I believe we could entitle this passage of Scripture, It's Time to Pray. If you'll find in these verses the words pray, prayer, and prayed, you'll find it mentioned seven times. We ought to be praying. We see, first of all, our position in prayer. Is any afflicted, merry, sick, if he have committed sins? Our position. We must be people of prayer no matter where we are, whether we're suffering, whether we're singing, whether we're sick, whether we're in sin, brethren, all of those conditions is a good time to pray. We must be people of prayer. But then we see, second of all, our power through prayer. The effectual, fervent prayer availeth much. So the Bible says, according to Lehman Strauss, there is a kind of praying which is effectual. That is, praying which is powerful enough to produce the desired or intended effect. Are your prayers receiving answers? Are they effectual? It is this prayer that availeth much. Availing prayer, or prayer that is powerful and mighty, strong and able, prayer is honored by God. He tells us to pray. He wants us to pray. He answers prayer. What then is effectual and fervent prayer? It is praying with great energy. It is praying with great effectiveness. It is mighty prayer that is powerful enough to produce results. I believe it is prayer that is energized by the Holy Spirit himself. Prayer that is then wrought in the soul by the Spirit and then carried to the Father by the Spirit, and it produces results. It's prayer in the Spirit, Ephesians six eighteen. Praying in the Holy Ghost, Jude, verse 20. It is prayer according to the Spirit of God, as He intercedes in our behalf, Romans eight twenty six through 27. This will be prayer, number one, that is directed. Number two, that is determined. Number three, prayer that is dedicated. So we speak of directed prayer or praying with a purpose. Matthew 6, verses 5 through 13. When we pray, we are not to be seen of men. Verse 5. We're not to be heard of men. Verses 6 and 7. We're not to be like other men. Verse number 8. So our prayers are not to be noticed by those around us in the world. This is empty, vain, and purposeless prayer. But we should purposely, on the other hand, get alone with God and pray before Him and unto Him in an acceptable manner. 
And thus we pray to our Heavenly Father that we might worship Him, adore Him, thank Him, ask of Him, receive of Him, and then He will be glorified in all that we say and in all that we do. Our purpose in prayer should be for God's will, God's power, God's glory, and God's coming kingdom one day, as this will be behind the blessed hope, the rapture of the church. We're not kingdom builders. We are church planners. We are church men, local church men. God's business in this world is the building of his church. He's gathering together that Gentile bride and the body of Christ is being completed, spread across this whole world from the days of Pentecost to the time of the rapture. So I'm not speaking in that sense of God's kingdom, but I am saying that we should be looking for Christ to be enthroned on this world and the kingdoms of this world to be handed over to be the kingdoms of our Lord. And so we should pray, Lord, for thy will, for thy glory, and for thy kingdom's sake. Yes, directed prayer. Praying with a purpose. But then determined prayer, or praying with persistence. And again, we've stressed before that we do believe that those are parables of contrast, that the importunity did win the day, but it was not that God was unwilling. Yet I do believe there should be a praying with persistence present in the church and in the Christian if the need arises. And the need would arise because of the warfare aspect in our prayer. It is not that God is unwilling to hear or unwilling to answer, but perhaps our prayers are being hindered by the devil or by the demons under his rule. And so importunity is where we press with a solicitation and an urgency. We urge God almost with a troublesome frequency. We come and we come again and we come again. And when we've prayed, we pray again. Why? Because we know that God hears and he answers prayer and we need an answer from heaven. But then there is dedicated prayer. This is praying with a plan. This includes the must of abiding in Jesus. John 15, 7 We're to abide in Him. His words are to abide in us. And then we can ask what we will. And we shall have that petition that we desire of Him, of course. Now understand when that was given to those disciples. And our prayers must be according to God's will. And this is not a name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. Just say what you want to and God will give you whatever you want. That's not what we're saying. But if you're abiding in Jesus and his words abide in you, then your will will be lined up with God's will, and you'll pray right as you pray in the Holy Ghost. But then there's also the means of abstaining and fasting in order to prayer. This is Mark 9, 29, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 5, Matthew 6, 16, and 18. And so our Lord connects prayer and fasting there. But then there's the matter of abounding in prayer. Prayer's plan, abiding, abstaining, and abounding Ephesians 6.18, praying always with all prayer and supplication. Then praying without ceasing. Prayer should abound. We should live in an atmosphere of prayer. 
Oh God, help us to keep our hearts fixed on you and live in such a manner that our prayers are unhindered and that line of communication is kept open between us and the Lord. Effectual, fervent prayer, he says, of a righteous man. And this is purity in prayer. Prayer's passion must include purity. It will include power. And yes, it includes our position, where we're at at the moment when we're praying, whether sick, whether suffering, whether singing. God is listening for the prayers of consecrated saints. Proverbs 15, 29, Psalm 34, 17, 1 Timothy 2, 8, Galatians 5, 16. God is listening for the prayer of confessing saints. 1 John 1, 9, Proverbs 28, 13. God is looking to hear our prayers when we are living consecrated lives and confessing our sins before Him. But then prayer's passion. Prayer must be a matter of our earnest affections, of our earnest attention, of our earnest efforts, with all the feelings and affections, frustrations and aggravations, fears and anxieties. Elijah had them all, subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly. The best way to deal with the passions of this life is to have a passion for prayer in our life and let God fill our soul, change our lives, and control our spirits. We thank you for making this ministry a part of your day. And in closing, we want to point you to the words of our Lord in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. He answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And truly it is written. God's word, every word, presents us with truths to live by. You've been listening to Brother Benjamin Cooley. Please send all correspondence to Truths to Live By, P.O. Box 575, Harriman, Tennessee, 37748. Or you can email us at bmarkcooley at gmail.com. And finally, brethren, pray for us.